It is these days that we eagerly anticipate spring, as Gwen mentioned. And so we have these days that are cold, and then we have those days that are warm, and they feel so good. And then we go back to those days that are cold, and that wet, sloppy, sloppy rain that we get. So I have uh, something to read for you this morning. It's a lovely poem that I wanted you to hear and to settle into. It's called The Summer Day. So this is a little bit of a dreamer poem. It's written by Mary Oliver. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean, the one that has flung herself out of the grass, the one who is eating sugar out of my hand, who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down, who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and she thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I've been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do? What is it you plan to do? with your one wild and precious life. What is it that you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? What a good question. Good question for us today. Today, the text is a story of Jesus continuing to teach. And when we look back to find the context, a couple of chapters, we realize that Jesus is preaching to thousands. It's a large crowd. He's talking to the disciples and he's talking to the group. And it's not really a peaceful crowd. I like the idea in my mind to picture Jesus preaching to many. I picture uh, Jesus on a, on a hill and this beautiful pastoral scene where the grass is green and everybody's nice and gentle and they're maybe eating their, I think, of fish and loaves. I think you probably can understand why I think that. And, uh, and, and I just picture these beautiful scenes. That's not what this is. This is a crowd that is anxious Someone answers, and when we read a little bit before this, we realize some are looking to fault Jesus. We know that there are Pharisees and scribes in this crowd whom Jesus had had dinner with, and he said some things that they did not want to hear. And so after the dinner, they started to find or try to find things 
that would allow them to blame Jesus. So this was not a nice, easy crowd that Jesus was teaching in front of. They were an anxious people. But even in the midst of these anxious people, we hear still a story of hope. This text can fall into two segments, really. There's the first segment that tells a little bit of two stories. Now, the two stories the folks gathered around probably were familiar with. They start off and he says, remember, there were the story about the Galileans whose blood Pilate mixed with their sacrifices. What a horrible story. They were murdered brutally, and their blood was mixed in with sacrifices? Oh, that's a horrible story. But then he asks them this question, and remember the crowd he's asking are people who want to learn, but also the scribes and the Pharisees. Asks this question of them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in the way they do, they were worse sinners because of the way they died? Were they worse sinners than other Galileans? Of course they weren't. But even then, they still need to repent and be faithful. And then he tells the next story. What about the Tower of Siloam that fell and those 18 who died? Did that happen because they were worse people? Did that happen because of them and, and their horribleness? And the answer again is no. That's not why it happened. But they still need to be faithful, to repent and be faithful. And then the second portion of the scripture is the parable. And that's the one we will focus most of our attention on this morning. The parable of the landowner and the gardener and the fig tree. Because the landowner comes and says, this tree has not bear fruit, and it's been three years. And so I think it's time to just chop it down and get rid of it. But the answer of the gardener is different than that. The gardener says, just, just give me another year. Give me another year, just one more year, and, and, and I'll put some manure around it. I'll fertilize it. I'll baby it. And then if it doesn't grow fruit, then it's time. It's a story, dear friends, of hope. But more importantly, this is a story or a parable of grace. This is a story of grace. Even when people weren't faithful, even the scribes and the Pharisees are given another chance. They certainly don't want to give Jesus another chance. They're looking for all of the faults that they can find. But Jesus is still offering another opportunity, another breather, and a chance. This is grace. And in the story, I think you probably have already figured out that we are the fig tree. 
We are the fig tree. And especially in our lives right now, I feel like we might be able to connect with this on a deeper level because of what we have all been through over the last two years. It has been two years of the pandemic. And I'm hearing this language these days that we're moving from a pandemic to an endemic. Have you heard that little phrase? We're moving from pandemic to endemic. I'm not sure um, if that's accurate or not. It's just a phrase I've heard folks saying. But I find it interesting to understand that something is shifting. Something is definitely shifting. And what I've realized, and I'm sure you have as well, is that things are not as they usually were. Things are not just snapping back to normal. That would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> if things just snapped right back to normal. But that's really not what's happening. I've noticed a few different things in this, and I suspect you can resonate. I've noticed that we need to handle one another with more grace to understand that we have not all been on the same journey through this time. And it might take us some time to get where we want to go or where we need to go. And so we need to offer grace to one another. I've also noticed that we need to offer grace to ourselves. We need to be gentle with ourselves. Because we are not like we used to be. We have been through a really tough time. I've also noticed this, that we need to continue to mourn. We need to allow ourselves that space. We need to mourn our dead. We also need to mourn what our expectations were. We need to mourn what we thought would happen and accept this new reality that we are in. And even in the midst of our mourning, we still need to move back into life. And that is a challenge. It's time to embrace the new you, so to speak. And that's hard. Life and you may have changed over the past two years. Your fruit might be different, <laughs> so to speak, my dear fig trees. Now, I don't believe that a fig tree is gonna grow an apple. <laughs> but I do believe that the figs will be a little bit different because you're different. Every hardship we endure, every challenge, every painful part of our journey allows us to grow if we let that happen allows us to draw close to our Savior. Maybe that is the manure as we grow. Maybe that's part of it. And this is the challenge, but the joy as well, that we lean into the grace that is offered by our Savior. Oh, I'm so grateful that the gardener didn't say, yep, chop it down, get rid of it. 
And I'm glad that the Savior doesn't say that to me or about me either. (laughs) But instead says, come, be with me. Here's some more manure. (laughs) Who knew I'd ever say that? (laughs) Here's some more fertilizer. Here's more. And you will grow. And I might change. And you might change. Every year, the story that I've just shared with you happens at 119 North Vine Street in Westerville, where we live. Every single year it happens in my yard. The dead tree, well, it looks dead in our front yard, sprouts new buds. You know what? It's doing it right now. This morning when we left for church, there were little red uh, pieces of leaves and flowers on our sidewalk because the leaves are bursting through those buds. And the clematis vine on our front porch looks horrible. It looks like a big piece of dead stump. But you know what will happen? And I've got faith in that clematis. It happens every year. Bright, bright green leaves pop out of that thing. And the grass that looks so ugly and yellowish brown magically turns to a green and lush carpet all over again. Ugly brown, muddy soil starts to come alive with buds, and tiny little crocuses prepare the way for brighter, bolder, bigger bulbs. And in this scenario, I'm the gardener. And even though in the particular moment, it all looks rotten, I will give my yard a reprieve. I will offer it grace. Because I know with a little more rain and sun and some miracle grow, (laughs) it will become a beautiful, lush garden again. This is the season of Lent. We take more time for contemplation. We remind ourselves of our journey as we become closer to Jesus and grow in our faith. And we remind ourselves of Christ's journey to the cross. We give thanks for the gardener who saves us from certain death and gives us the grace to grow, to gently move from winter into spring. Lean into grace. Allow the brokenness to happen and to heal and know that God's grace wraps you up in so much love until you are able to ponder yet again about what you will do with your one wild and precious life. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.